listening to It's a big day. Welcome to What the Truck, everybody. I'm Dooner. That's the dude. Hey, Matt. Peace and love, everybody. Dooner, good to see you in the studio, my friend. Must be a big day if you're here. I'm ecstatic to be here. I'm super excited about this. I was excited before I learned Craig Fuller was going to be here, and now I'm even more excited about this episode because we're talking about not just pitching. Well, originally, we were going to talk about how to talk to a shark, right? How to talk to a shark tank, how to pitch a deal. We're still doing that. We're also going to talk about how to pitch to VCs, especially in this market, especially in freight tech. Super exciting success stories all around. Uh, who else we got coming on well, today? Yeah, hey, I was going to say, there's even more than that to be yes. excited. We also got Bruno Silva of Basic Block talking play, talking and play. He's going to do play it forward. He's playing right? it forward. He's going to shred a Les Paul, right? Yeah. I'm, uh, one of my favorite guitars right there. But he's going to be talking uh, about uh, uh, blockchain. And then we've got Paul Stipich from Tip Top Poultry. Uh, he has some tip top tips for talking to shippers. Yeah. Chris Jolly, right? The freight coach. The freight coach. Freight coaching with Chris Jolly as well. So it's going right, to be man. awesome. We're bursting at the seams with content today. So let's tip the band that will jump to Craig Fuller. Right on. Connect to win with Redwood Connect, supply chain integration platform from Redwood Logistics that connects every last part of your supply chain. Turn the logistics freeway into a maze. Or logistics maze into a freeway. That makes a lot more sense. It connects your desperate <laughs> hard to manage silos using a drag and drop platform that's so easy. It feels like magic. Learn more about Redwood Connect. Tell them. Oh, RedwoodLogistics.com, my friend. Perfect. All right. <laughs> now the man, the myth, the legend. It is FreightWave's CEO and founder, Craig Fuller. He's been working very hard throughout the year to make this announcement that we are so excited to bring to you today. Yeah, absolutely. Craig Fuller, take it away. Tell it. First of all, give us the announcement, and then we'll, uh, we'll try to crack this coconut open. Yeah, so, uh, Dooner, I'm excited to announce that Freightways has raised uh, two rounds of funding, $37 million. The, the first $7 million we actually raised in April. During the COVID crash, uh, we did not, we, we felt that taking the uh, Triple P money from the federal government was, was not the right decision for us, so we ended up doing an insider round uh, to top up the capital, and then we just closed a $30 million round with Los Angeles-based Kane Capital. So they're a $30 billion private equity fund or growth equity fund, a little different than venture capital. Uh, that is our new investor. They invested in FreightWaves. We closed it last week. It's a minority investment, uh, which means that they don't have control. They, do are, they are getting one seat, uh, but they uh, did not buy majority share. So same management team is going to still uh, stay in place. Same existing investors, that capital goes into Freightways for us to invest in growth. This is, this is a surprising, well, not surprising because I think Freightways is awesome, but surprising based on the environment. I remember you and I having conversations back in January talking about the WeWork effect. We were trying to raise our own funding. It was challenging out there. It was, and then, then COVID-19 hit, so it seems like you know, maybe we're going to have to get lean. Maybe we're going to have to do it all ourselves this year. But what happened? What changed? And why Freightways, Craig? Yeah, it was, it was pretty dramatic what we saw. So in uh, October, we actually had an unsolicited term sheet. The business was super hot. The environment was super hot. Freightways was super hot. And we had actually um, planned to, to do a broader, so that didn't work out because uh, whether it was WeWork or just the broader venture cycle started in Q4, started to get a little tougher. You know, also in freight and logistics, the recession of 2019 was having a, you know, a slowing impact even on our business. 
the rapid growth rate we had experienced in 19 started to slow a little bit, just a little bit of the momentum. The business was still growing, you know, triple digits, but the momentum was slowing a bit. And so we actually held off on that particular raise uh, and went out in January not realizing that the venture market had changed. And what was happening is sort of the tailwinds behind WeWork, the just overall situation with the public offerings, with all the you know Uber and, and Lyft that had gone public in uh, early or uh, in 2019, combined with the Wuhan uh, COVID-19 virus, and that you know the impact of what was happening in Wuhan was starting to uh, venture capitalists are really aware of what's happening. We're starting to get a little nervous, and so we got some blowback and didn't realize it at the time that a lot of the issues that we were ex experiencing was just a reflection of uh, uh, investor sentiment and concern. Um, and so uh, we uh, actually met Kane uh, Capital on that roadshow in January, and they initiated their diligence process uh, in, that, in that period. But being a late stage growth equity fund, very different than venture capital that can issue term sheets in days, if not weeks, uh, Kane took their time and did an extensive amount of diligence, probably the most diligence our CFO would say that he's ever experienced on our business. And uh, we're glad to say that that process is uh, over with, and uh, we're glad to welcome them as an investor. It's excellent. It's excellent. Excellent news, Craig, by the way. Congratulations. I'm excited. Yeah. Hold excited. on a second. Can excited. we get a little cowbell for, cow for Can we do that? 37 strikes? No, we don't have time for that. But we're going to give <laughs> one really good one. Strikes. There we go. There we go. That that's good. But Craig, you know, uh, freight waves with the events and and the data platform, et cetera. What was it that Kane saw in us? Do you have an inkling on that? What what is it that they saw in freight waves that made him so bullish on us? Yeah, I think you know our data business inside of Sonar is growing triple digits. It's one of the fastest SaaS uh, growing SaaS businesses in the entire for enterprise SaaS in the entire uh, uh, industry of SaaS. So that's doing exceptionally well. Uh, also, you know, the thing that's interesting about media businesses is they don't typically play well with venture capital investors. Uh, media, broader media businesses are, are, you know, you don't have to uh, go very far uh, to, to see the, the issues around media businesses that uh, are facing a lot of headwinds. Um, and so it was interesting when we went out to Silicon Valley, a lot of the traditional Silicon Valley investors, what we would call venture capital investors, uh, struggled with the fact that we had a, a very diverse revenue stream. We have the media business, which is growing really fast and has high margins, but it's still media. You have the SaaS business, which is uh, recurring revenue, and they understood that business. And then you, at last year, you had the events business. Um, and so it was difficult for a traditional or a, a venture capital investor to, to sort of underwrite the thesis that these businesses could all be successful in their own right. Uh, what was nice about working with Kane is they looked at it from a cohesive ecosystem and realized that ultimately what Freightways has built is a community, and that community enables us to develop a lot of really compelling content that's informed by our data. And as people consume our content, they also are wanting to understand and have a lot of the data that they can experience. And so they understood that, were excited about it, and really liked the business model. One thing that happened during this process, because again, this process started in January, but one thing that actually happened is the COVID-19 impact uh, here in the United States, and we certainly got those headwinds. Interesting enough, when the United, the week that the United States effectively shut down the country, uh, when everything went into lockdown, was the actual the week that we received the term sheet from Keynes. So it was not a, a matter of waiting, they didn't wait to see how things turned out, 
But what did happen is a third of our revenue last year, actually 50% of our revenue last year was from live events. And obviously we're not doing those. But I think what we were able to demonstrate is the, this portfolio of businesses, we were able to pivot and credit to, you know, Dooner, you and Michael and Emily and all the production team that is here at Freightways, we're able to take that in-person experience and deliver a virtual experience uh, through Freightways Live and, and this most recently the 3PL Summit. And I think the fact that we were able to do that and we saw growth on our TV product to 25, you know, 25,000 viewers a day really resonated the uh, importance of the business. But investors are interested in growth and revenue and margins. And what is also interesting is our media business is growing as fast as our SaaS business, but actually has SaaS-like margins. And I'm really proud of that. And it's just the strength of the brand. And it's the strength of the, the content and the context. And frankly, the personalities and the production quality uh, behind the product itself. Here, you know, here on the production qualities. Those guys are awesome. Yeah, I mean, tough times, they, they can be formative, right? And they, they changed some of the directions that we were going in in freight waves. And I remember an interesting conversation we had in your office when we were talking about events and event planning. And you were like, you know, investors don't always love the live events. They're risky. Well, we had a pivot to the virtual events. Those that we just went through when they've been bringing people in. Are investors more excited about the prospect of virtual events? How has that been for freight waves as a company? You know, it's interesting. You're, you're correct. The live events are capital intensive. They take a lot of effort. Uh, and frankly, for an investor that's invested in a recurring revenue business, there are distractions because they take away from that. Now, it's an important element of what we've built in this community. Uh, it creates a lot of brand equity, and it's a really important uh, part of our engagement. But you're correct that venture investors don't particularly like live uh, in-person events. But one of the things that happened is we, last year, had decided to create Freightways TV, an over-the-top streaming TV network. And actually, going into budgetary uh, season after uh, we had our, our Silicon Valley tour, we started to rethink about our business and reprioritize our business. TV was actually on, I wouldn't say the chopping block, but was a question in a lot of people's minds. There was a, a, a theory or a concept, and maybe true, that in many ways it was a vanity play, that it, TV would not be successful in this industry. And what happened is not only did TV become successful because of, of people like yourself, Dooner and Michael, that are making it so, but also because when we shut down our live events, we already had this TV infrastructure and broadcast infrastructure to host all of those folks a part of our community, and frankly, a lot more onto this virtual TV platform. And what I always tell people about our virtual events that's different than any other virtual event that I've seen is for, for either one day or three days or however long we have it, Emily and you guys in the production staff are running this as a cable TV network for those days. It is done at broadcast quality, run like a broadcast TV network, and that keeps people engaged. And what we've seen is that not only the sponsors and advertisers come back, but we've seen a lot of interest in our virtual experiences and are actually in discussions with companies about doing and hosting their virtual experiences that have nothing to do with freight. So I'm really excited about what we've been able to do there. You know, our data business continues to explode and do really, really well with all the new product iterations. So it's, look, I, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. Um, and as a, as a shareholder, as an owner uh, of, of a lot of equity in the company, I, 
you know, love the fact that an outside firm, particularly a later stage growth fund, has validated what we're doing here. Yeah, that's excellent stuff. Craig, we have time for, for just one more question, and I'm going to ask the $37 million question. <laughs> what are you going to spend the money on? Where do, where, can you give us a peek under the hood of what's next for Freight Waves with this uh, latest round? Well, I think you, uh, Michael, and everybody in this room and, and the folks part of the Freight team, Freightways team will be excited that, uh, you know, we always are, are looking at our, our team and, and trying to make sure that they're rewarded and scented properly. So that's certainly there. I imagine that the TV team, uh, as they continue to scale, will want a couple more uh, toys. It feels like every time I come in here, they have <laughs> a new camera or something. But, but more importantly, this is all about growth and what we're planning to use the capital for is continuing to grow our recurring revenue SaaS business in Sonar, develop better forecasting tools and methodologies for it, uh, and continue to expand its breadth of what it is able to do for our logistics customers. You know, ultimately, uh, the success of our business is about the strength of not just the brand, but the underlying decisions uh, and how people use our data uh, to make decisions in their business and grow their business. And we plan on making a significant amount of investments in the product itself and our go-to-market strategy around it. Any advice? I know we said one more. So if you had to give, uh, give 60-second advice to someone on pitching in freight tech, pitching in this environment, what would it be? You know, this is a different environment than we saw last year, is that uh, ultimately investors have, frankly, more leverage uh, over the decision and are far more careful and cautious about the investments that they underwrite. It doesn't mean that capital isn't available. In fact, there's more capital today in private equity, venture capital, and in uh, uh, the stock market than there's ever been. And so uh, that money is going to be spent and is going to be invested. And I think uh, founders should understand the cycle and understand who do they want, whom do they want on their cap table, uh, what in type of investor do they want, and where are they at in stage. And so I, what I would say is it's always important for founders to network as much as possible. As investors last year were seeking out a lot of companies, and they're still doing some of that, but it's important to develop these relationships over the long haul. I met Kane Capital actually last, I believe it was October, was the first time I interacted with them, and it took effectively nine months to get this process over the finish line. So those relationships will take a while, uh, you know, spend time harvesting, let them see your track record of doing what you say you're going to do. And I think if you accomplish that, then your chances of success at terms that you like are much, much greater. One thing I will say is, we are focused on profitability here at Freight Waves. This is sort of a pivot from where we were in terms of high, fat, fast, uh, fast growth. And now it's all about sustainable growth, which means focusing on growing and being profitable. Excellent. Excellent stuff, Craig. Uh, congratulations to you and the executive team who worked incredibly hard for months to make this race happen. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Dinner. And you as well, as a shareholder of Freight Waves, you are a beneficiary as well. <laughs> yeah, and I guess we should put, out, uh, put that out there. We're, oh, we're, we're all growing. Freight Waves associates so are You want to join the team, you've got the talent, you've got what it takes, and you believe in what we're doing here. Freightwaves.com, look for us. That's exactly right. Thank our, you, Craig. Our next guest, so Craig pitched to VCs, right? Yes. Our next guest pitched in the Shark Tank. Yeah, yeah. He learned in three. We're going to bring up in a we minute. Got we like have a three video, minutes though. to pitch there. <laughs> We've got the Tom Burden CEO and founder Grit Matt story. We got a video of that. Let's play that and then we'll bring him right up Excellent. on air. What makes someone successful? 
ambition, hard work? My name is Tom Burden. Here's how I found my path to success. I grew up in a small farm town, but I've always had big dreams. As a kid playing with Legos, I loved building new things. Little did I know a passion was born. When I was 18, I enlisted in the Air Force as a fighter jet mechanic. While working on top of the aircraft, I became frustrated trying to keep my tools close and my hardware organized. I needed to solve this problem. After spending endless nights experimenting in my garage, finally, the grip mat was born. Now, how can I get my product out and make an impact to the world? I signed up for dozens of pitch competitions and incubators. The hustle was real. My first trade show, I brought over 600 grip mats. The first day, I sold only 13. I felt like a failure. Started pitching the product to anyone who would listen, and I ended up selling out of grip mats by the end of the show. After several years of hard work, spending over $40,000 of my own money and raising $150,000, I had an amazing opportunity to present Gritmat on ABC's hit show, Shark Tank. I swung for the fences and ended up getting a deal with three sharks, Mark Cuban, Richard Branson, and Lori Grenier. I felt like I was on top of the world Afterwards, I made Forbes 30 Under 30 in the cover of Time Magazine as one of the best inventions of the year. With all of these achievements, I still feel that I'm not through the woods yet. There is still a lot of work that needs to be done, but I know one thing for sure. I will never stop working to achieve my dreams. Whatever your dream is, whether it is to become a chef, musician, or an inventor, You have got to pursue it and give it your best. You've got to take action and make your impact. Joining us now, CEO and founder of Gritmat, it is Tom Burden. Tom, thank you so much for joining us on the air today. Hello, hello. Super excited to be on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, I, welcome, I texted Tom. you earlier, but my, my dad was super excited, too, because he's a big Shark Tank fan. I come from a Shark Tank family. We've been watching it for, since uh, it's been out. Actually, I used to watch it back in 2007 when it was like the Dragon's Den in Canada. They used to have this Fox yeah. reality show. So big, uh, big fan. But my dad was an Air Force mechanic like yourself. He was uh, a sergeant who in the Vietnam War worked on B-52s and uh, KC-135. So I salute you, sir. Thank you for joining us on What the Truck today. Yeah, yeah. Excited to be on the show. I've, I've uh, you know, listened and watched, watched you guys for quite some time. It's I, awesome. You know, I'm a big fan of, of the Shark Tank as well. And, and I actually I just watched a couple episodes last night, as a matter of fact. Uh, but uh, I, I saw your episode as yeah. well. And I thought, I thought it was brilliant. And I was rooting for you the whole time. And when you nailed those three, it was, I was kind of cheering. But I, mean, I thing- love the way he said that. I loved when he, he looked huh. at the sharks and you could tell he was like, should I be saying this? This yeah. takes some balls. He goes, well, it depends on the sharks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, That's you- the part everybody, everybody loves. Yeah, yeah. that was... Uh- I was definitely, I was feeling confident, definitely nervous. You know, I peed a little bit. 
So speaking of peeing a little bit and cutting that out, what's that process like, man? Are you sitting you're like, I mean, they show everybody stand out those big doors and they're all yeah. excited to go in, but you got to be sweating bullets, man. Right. Before you go out there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of funny when you're behind the doors, there'll be a guy that like pops out of a curtain. You don't even see the guy and you'll just see this. You'll just see like a thumbs up. And that means like the door's about to open up. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, that's, that means go. <laughs> and uh, so you're not, you don't know who the guy is. You just see his arm and, and then <laughs> you just like start walking. And then, uh, yeah, so then you walk and then uh, they have like a little spot on the ground they want you to stop at. And then um, they have you like stop and like stare at the sharks for for like 30 seconds, which is kind of awkward. A lot of the other shark tankers will be like, that's the worst part. I, I hated that. And then, um, and then they'll say, go. <laughs> and then you, then you pitch. Oh, so, so I got a question for you. Uh, one of my friends was on shark tank. This girl, Melissa Gerson, she did uh, Chanquillo Matt through them. She got a deal with Hershevik. She got a deal with Robert Hershevik on there. Mm. And, um, I don't know if anything's changed, but at the time she said that the producers don't do that much in terms of helping you with the pitch, in terms of the setup. They just kind of tell you where to put things. Is that still the case? You just know your marks and you know your timing and, and that's about it? Um, my producer helped me a ton. Um, she was super helpful. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's a point where she like the, well, for me, at least, I don't know if, if it was for everyone else, but, uh, they'll help you get your pitch together and, but it's, it's your responsibility to practice. So, um, I have noticed in the shark tank community, I'm not saying this is your friend, but there's a lot of people that it, like they get on shark tank and they just expect everything. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I, I, my producer, I feel like saved me. <laughs> I've seen, I, I I've know, seen like, a few of those that. episodes where they expected everything. And oh yeah. Yeah. They don't stand up there and deliver. He delivered. So I guess the million dollar question Michael and I would have for you then is what would your recommendation be for someone to not just pitch on the shark tank, but actually even get on the show? How did you right get on. on there? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So a good tip of doing that is they, they get a lot of their candidates from Kickstarter. Oh, wow. So if you do a Kickstarter, um, so what'll happen is I call them scouts or scouts that like work to get people signed up and, uh, <clears throat> someone reached out from the Kickstarter and said, Hey, we really, we saw your video. We feel that you're, you'd be perfect for the, the show. And, um, we, they just sent me a link to sign up online. So that now the thing is that didn't like give me an advantage. They just said, sent me a link that everyone else signs up online. So you can sign up online or do what's called a casting call. So, um, I've got some friends who did the casting call, but, uh, and I don't think there's any advantage of doing one or the other, but I, I, I've got a like kind of a two part question. One, do the sharks know anything about your business beforehand? Are they, are they clued in and to who's coming in? And if so, how they're not, yep. they don't do know you, anything. Okay. All right. Because, I mean, so, and so the actually, producers, it always seemed to me like they always sprinkle in these that are obvious failures, right? That yeah. Are obviously, yeah. Just, they're just going to eat them Like the them American alive, Idol right? audition where they have the person who's like, it's maybe better TV than a product kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. That's, that's half the reason why you watch American Idol. And then that's also half the reason why you watch Shark Tank is because you want that one guy to be like, what are you doing? Uh, Did you think yeah, you might be that guy or were you fully confident oh, when you went down there and pitched? 
Every, I'm always, everyone's always wondering, like, am I that guy? Uh, <laughs> am I the William, I, William Hung of Shark Tank or something, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> William Hung's the most, the most famous person from American Idol. Uh, yeah. The, uh, yeah, no one wants to be the, the William Hung of Shark Tank. But um, a, a lot of people will ask me, that they'll be like, hey, I got this product. Do you think it'd be good for Shark Tank? First thing I'll ask is, do you have sales? And <laughs> yeah. then... And then they'll be like, no. And, I'm, and I'll be like, what do you think? And then, yeah. and then they'll be like, yeah, that probably wouldn't be good. Unless you're going with an evaluation of zero, it's a bad idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. The other thing is, Tom, did it, I mean, you, so you struck a deal with the three sharks and you walk out and they hand you a check, right? Yeah. <laughs> On your way yeah. out, you're handed a What's the process afterward? They got to do due diligence and everything else like that, right? I mean, it's not yeah. a solid done deal when you walk out those doors, correct? And he like, got three. Right, so, he got three sharks too. Three so that's going to be a process afterwards as well. Yeah. Yeah. So the due diligence. Some people are like, "Isn't the due diligence done before by Shark Tank?" The the thing is, Shark Tank, the TV show, doesn't do due diligence, and like a, each investor wants to do their own style of due, due due diligence. Now, yeah. So after you get the deal, you go back to your trailer, and then um, a representative from each shark, like their lawyer or whoever, will go to your trailer and like tell you what's the next steps. So when typically when you get a deal with Mark, Mark's team will just lead the whole thing. So you're signing one big document. So I was signing one big document with three other signatures instead of signing three documents with three sharks. So because it's kind of redundant to do due diligence three times, they just kind of agreed amongst themselves like, okay, what does Mark want? That works for us, and then they might have asked for a couple other things. Right. But. My, my, our broadcast engineers in the back, when I put this in our Slack channel, who the guest was coming on, I was like, you need to rip this video. They were like, we drop our tools all the time. We need these grip mats. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, if you, far, if you saw the first segment, we did, we did raise uh, some funding. So maybe there'll be some grip mats in their future. <laughs> maybe we get some grip um, so talking about your Can funding, you uh, before we let you go, what, what do you, how has the company grown since Shark Tank? Yeah. Is the Shark Tank effect real, and what's next? Yeah, so Shark Tank effect is 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 definitely real. Um, I think the coolest part, the best part, is like being getting three sharks, like kind of always being a forever like cool kid in the Shark Tank community, and people get like super excited about like uh, like oh you're on Shark Tank, how'd it go? And then it's like oh you got three, so um, we're it's been a, like two seasons since it aired, but. Uh, People still get really excited. Um, right now, what's what's been interesting is you know we about beginning of third quarter we switched everything from working with B two B business business going to direct to consumer and being online has like really saved us, especially now during during quarantine. So um, we're kind of in the fist fight with quarantine, but we're able to like pivot and find new customers that. Uh, we're able to like continuously grow, so it's been it's been amazing. If another company that like ours, we we um, just in terms of being virtual and it working well with the medium that we do. In some ways, COVID had has been has worked out for us just like it's worked out for you guys because uh, we have this digital platform, right? And yeah, it makes exactly. sense in the environment that we have to work that we have to work in. So, I mean, not everything about a pandemic or a bad situation has to be bad. It just means that you have to pivot. 
and all of those things. You're doing awesome and amazing stuff, including signing hot dog buns, uh, which I saw in a news clip. I thought that was... <laughs> and yeah. you actually had to sign it twice. There's like a, there's like a hidden hot dog bun. It's probably stale and moldy dough. But people who want some grit mats, where do we send them? Yeah, so you can go to our website, www.gritmat.com. That's G-R-Y-P-M-A-T.com. Or on, our, on Amazon. And uh, you can follow, follow us on Instagram at G-R-Y-P-M-A-T. So, yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much, Tom. We appreciate you, your Tom. time today. See you guys. Wow, he's amazing. So our, our next guest that's going to come on is Bruno Silva. We have a clip to play. Yeah. Oh, if you yeah. guys okay. can roll the clip, he's going to play it forward. He's got a guitar going, then we'll talk to him all about it, and I'll dial him up. Awesome. Nothing like a sound of less. That is awesome. It's coming up right <laughs> Hey, Bruno Silva, you are on the... Hey, Bruno, you're on the air with Dooner and the Dude, man. We just played your Play It Forward clip. We were looking at that guitar. First two questions. Tell us, uh, well, you're an engineer at Basic Block, but before we get into any business over here, tell us uh, what kind of guitar you were rocking there. What model of that? I think that was a Les Paul, right? Yeah, it looked like a Les Paul. looked like a Les Paul yeah. to me. Yeah. Hello, guys. Thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. We've, we've had two amazing interviews before you. Sorry we were a little late, but uh, a lot of content today. <laughs> yeah, so a little bit of... Of history about the guitar. It's a Ibanez Les Paul from 1977. That guitar was made in Japan. So it's, it's what is called uh, one of those lawsuit guitars because back in the 70s, Gibson was suing Ibanez because they're, they're making guitars just like Gibson, and then Ibanez had to change the headstock. So that's one of the, those guitars. That's a pretty cool guitar, man. It's a very cool guitar. So that's an Ibanez. It's not a mm. not a Les Paul. It looked like it looked yeah, like it's one got it, the same body style, like he's saying. It, 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 my eyes, it looked like yeah. yeah. No, it's an Ibanez, but Ibanez Les Paul style. Yeah, yeah. No, it's beautiful yeah. guitar. sounded 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 nice, and I love the pickups yeah, you had thanks. outside. There. How long you been shredding? Oh man, it's been what about fifteen years. Wow. Yeah, All right. I, He's always I, picking it up. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, was, I, I, I was listening uh, to it and, and just I, I had a whole a whole solo track laid down in my head as I was listening to you play that. I, I love that <laughs> style of music. It was awesome. Bruno, yeah. Bruno I, I know uh, I know your boss, Taylor Monks, over at Basic Block, and I met him at Transparency 19, and I instantly fell in love with him. 
I'm just just tell him that I'm I'm sending him flowers. No, I, I just thought yeah, he was awesome. Like he was kind yeah, of a breath of <laughs> he was sort of a breath of fresh. You know Taylor, right? He's just a, he kind of tells you how it is, his opinion on stuff, and he isn't afraid to hold back. But he's one of the good type. He's the kind of that that tells his opinion, but he's not thick headed. He's open to telling his opinion, having discussion and stuff. Yeah. And I remember talking to him at the time about blockchain. Blockchain super hyped, right? In 2019, still a lot of hype riding blockchain. And one and he told me two things. He goes. Blockchain will become big and mainstream when nobody's talking about blockchain because it's some underlying technology. And the other one is that right now in freight, he saw really the only super viable play. This is his opinion, not necessarily mine, but his was mm-hmm. as a payment platform. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I love working with Taylor. He's a, he's a great guy. Uh, one of the reasons that I that I actually decided to work with him and that basic block Um yeah, so when we talk about blockchain, you know, uh, there's a lot of people talking out there about blockchain, how it's going to uh, going to revolutionize everything, everything's going to be so much easier with blockchain, but we still need one application that uses blockchain that really makes that impact. Uh, we have seen that so far. Uh, we're still waiting for, like, that company to disrupt the space using blockchain, and then everybody's going to are going to be talking about it, like, oh, so that's blockchain. That's how it works. Uh, hopefully in the future, that's going to be basic block. That's interesting. So what about the hype? Was it overhyped? And when I was I was uh, uh, on the committee, membership committee for, for BIDA, yeah. uh, uh, talking to people, and I was traveling around talking about blockchain, et cetera, one of, my, one of the things to get people interested in it was we need those, those minds thinking about it and digging into the uses of blockchain. <laughs> to strip away all the hype. And it, do you feel like that's right? Once you get rid of that hype and people stop talking about it so much, then it will really develop and become something that is incredibly useful because you hear this hype and people, you get a lot of naysayers, right? Yeah. So uh, I like to make this parallel with uh, how internet was back in the day. Uh, like uh, before the bubble burst. No, uh there are a lot of dot-com companies out there making a lot of noise. Uh, the same what happened with, with blockchain uh, uh, a couple of years ago. We knew the technology was out there, and no one knew what to do with that. And then the bubble burst, and then it started growing slowly and slowly, and now we, we have Internet. So I think the same is going to happen to the blockchain. Now we just have a look at First, it like a uh, years ago. Now uh, there are even more developers coming to play. Uh, it's becoming more mature, and yeah, I think that uh, that hype push away people that are just uh, just like a, in a adventure in blockchain, and now and now more uh, other people uh, are going to come uh, study better this technology and. Uh, make more products out of it. Cool, Bruno. We well, just remove those. Yep. I was just going to say, where do we, uh, where do we send, where do we send people to learn more about basic block? I know you, the, you're figuring out the, the niche for blockchain, where it fits into freight tech and all that kind of stuff. Your team's doing great over in Nebraska. Where do, uh, where do I ship them to after the show? <laughs> yeah. You can ship here to, uh, our basic block, uh, office here in Lincoln, Nebraska. So, Yeah. Cool. Great. And, and the website Excellent is basicblock.io? Yeah. So uh, you can go to basicblock.io. Uh, yep. You 
And from that website, you, you can reach out to anyone at Basic Block, or you can go to LinkedIn. Uh, everyone from Basic Block is there. If you just uh, just Google, uh, just go to LinkedIn Basic Block, you can see everyone and reach out. Sounds uh, great, Bruno. We'll, yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, also, we are all on Twitter. Just add Basic Block. Uh, you're going to be able to find us. Yep. Cool. Hey, Bruno, thank you so much, man. Thanks for playing it forward today on What the Truck. Had a great time with uh, with that gentleman. Thank By you, the way, Bruno. I've been neglecting the comments here, so oh, let no, me jump over to you guys. We just uh, it's so much con there's so many people coming on today that like <laughs> but I got a shout out here. Wayne Craig, he's gonna be on radio this week and he says, Hey guys from San Antonio, Texas. Patricia Wardrop, she says, After my morning, what the truck is right. Uh, hello from Highway Transport. Eric Serta, he's coming in from Fort Worth, Texas. Not uh, home of Peter Murphy from Family Guys, uh Kwaihong, Rhode Island, um, no, as he no. sometimes says. Catherine Whitehouse is the perfect way to spend a Friday. Sheena Dave is in is in uh, Chattanooga, hanging out with Kevin Hill. So good all stuff right. for all those people. Uh, Eric Serta says he can save you 25% on Fredo White says happy Friday. <laughs> so we got the whole gang here and uh, Chris Wilson in attendance too. Good, good to check you guys all out. You know, what we're going to talk to now though. We're going to talk to Paul Stippich about those. What would you say? Right. Tip top tips from tip top poultry. Tip top tips from tip top poultry. Just keep saying that over and over again. Tip until top the phone tips starts from tip top poultry. <laughs> tip top tips from tip top poultry. Tip top tips from tip top poultry. Hey, I'm pretty good at that. You are pretty good. <laughs> we found a talent. Do you, yes. Have you ever have you ever worked with a uh, a chicken or a poultry shipper before? I, ha- I have not, but I worked next to one down the road here. <laughs> oh, I thought you were accusing me of being one. No, no we're working no, with no. one right now, though. Paul Stippage, he's traffic manager at Tip Top Poultry. He's on the line now with Dooner and the Dude. Hey, man, what's up, Paul? Man, it is, uh, you know, not much. It's going fantastic. I'm just saying life is good. Like, awesome, life Paul. Is Welcome. Good. Uh, when, when we reached out, we started talking a bit, and I was like, well, you know what? We don't always have shippers on the show, so now that no, we have, we now that we have one cornered here, we want to know how, how do we talk to a shipper, And I'm very Paul? worried about this. I'm Are very you? worried about this. I, I don't even know. We're, we're like a mysterious breed who just kind of, uh, you know, just will disappear when you start talking money and rates, but I mean, you got me cornered, so I guess we're we're good to go. Yeah, you you guys are the guys that you. Oh, we got to go to this conference. There's going to be a ton of shippers there, and you go there and like, where yeah. are they? They're, they're vendor, like, and vendor. then you find a lot of carriers. Exactly, it's that's really weird. Yeah, a lot of carriers. <laughs> yeah, it is. The, the shippers are all playing golf. The carriers and the three PLs are all inside looking for the well, shippers. Well, then, Michael, maybe you figure out how to talk to a shipper by figuring out how how to not talk to a shipper. What are what are some bad ways to <laughs> approach a go. shipper, especially if you're a carrier? I know that uh, we have a, we have a following with a lot of sales and broker professionals too who watch this show and put that coffee down, and they're always thinking of ways and ins and and how do we get through that door how do we get their freight and a lot of guys are just lazy you know they're just gonna they're gonna be like you, you want a rate quote you know i can lower your rates yeah what's absolutely. A, what, what's a good way to do it what's a bad you, way, the worst, way, way. To, the, the worst way to do it is man how can i help uh, i i just posted a video on talking you know thoughts from a shipper and i always get this like you know how can we help how can we be a part of your network if you're asking that question <laughs> that you're just a dummy that is the wrong question to ask you need to actually come knowing something about the industry. You need to come knowing something about the lines that I'm shipping into. Is it grocery chains? Is it restaurants? Is it, uh, you know, is it industrial? Are, are they going to be further mixing our product into their own? I mean, you need to say something that actually means something, not just how can I help? You know, if you have an issue, you know, don't, uh, and the worst question, I'll say this, the, the dumbest question are, you know, what issues are you having? Um, and if you just ask that in a blanket way for a guy who doesn't have any anxieties or worries, I don't have any issues. I don't have anything. Not that we get everything right. But those are just two questions right off the bat that, man, it just irks me to no end. 
Paul, I love that. Before you move on from that point, I love that one so much because I think a lot of salespeople make that mistake by going, they think they're being helpful, but what they're really doing is like when you're on a date or you're out with your wife and they turn to you and they go, what would you like for dinner? They're making you do the work all of a sudden. Like, are are, are you, you're you're the one who wants dinner and now you're trying to make me pick it and then you're going to argue, like... It's just yeah. you're right. You're, that's a perfect, perfect. Know something point. about the business. Go in there with the solution, and, and even if you're developing and uncovering an issue that you don't even know you have, Paul, that's at least making an effort instead of making you do yeah. that work. Yeah. A better, a better thing to do is, or a better way to phrase it is, instead of going for the quote unquote pill or that dumb question of you know, you know what issues do you have, or saying, hey, what what are the things that are going right for you? What are the things that are going really, really well? That is not a question that is almost ever asked, especially in the beginning. And when you do that, it starts me thinking because my mind's having to work in a little bit different way already. So I'm like, wait, wait, what is going good? And then if you come back and ask me, hey, what issues are you having? I'm going to be more receptive to it because my mind is already off the rote response of this guy, this girl, she's an idiot, he's an idiot. I'm, I'm just going to move on to that call. <laughs> what is awesome. a, So these are ways to get in. These are bad are, ways are. to get in. What, what are good ways to lose the account? The biggest way to lose the account, and it's a really obvious one for me and for Tip Top, is, is just lying. It's just outright, downright lying or not being honest or not communicating. Open, upfront, proactive communication is the way to stay in my good graces. There is grace and mercy and all of those fun, good words if you actually tell me the issue and what's going on. But, man, if you lie or hide or try to shirk your responsibilities, I'm telling you that you're, you don't get a second chance. I had a guy who completely bombed, but because he was honest as, as honest as he could be, because we had a strong, uh, you know, relationship, he's still with us and working with us today. Yeah, I guess it goes to the point that everybody makes mistakes. It's how you handle those mistakes, right? And, yeah. and how you mm-hmm. correct correct those issues is really what's important. Because usually, too, we've both been afraid. We, usually, yeah. we're, the answer we give, we then give to someone else. You know, so yeah. that answer goes from us to so. So now we're the liar. You lied to me, so now I'm lying to someone else. And oh, now yeah. you're getting more and more people in trouble. You tell one lie, it leads yeah. to another. You tell two lies, oh brother. You tell three lies, <laughs> yeah. tears come. Yeah, there's a Jesus up. Christ Latter Day Saints commercial oh, yeah. that was like that in the nineties. Now yeah. that's when somebody's in and how they can keep that account and do that but tell me paul how do you guys how do you pick a partner is it is it is it is it the lowest price or or what what is it what is it where you go okay this is somebody i need to give a shot yeah yeah we we do rfps rfqs whatever initials that sound really cool to you at this time we do those very infrequently but when we do them price gets you in the door or it slams the door in your face so that's the, that's the first round thing. The second round is asking questions and having conversations. If I'm on the phone with you and I can't have a conversation, I don't want to do business with you. And it doesn't matter that I may save a penny or two per mile. Okay, five bucks on a lane, ten bucks on a lane. Now, if you're a huge one, name whatever big company it is, and you have a thousand of those lanes, then a thousand times five dollars, that's, that's a chunk of change. I'm not that person. So price gets you in the door or it slams the door in your face. But after that, it's a conversation. And you have to be able to talk. You have to be able to understand our business and offer something that's of value. If you're lanes, if you're a broker, hey, we can ship everywhere. No, you can't. You lying sack of whatever. You cannot ship everywhere. Mm-hmm. What you can do is you have certain lanes that work for you. Now, someone, you know, Joe Schmo, to your right, they may be able to service the lanes that you won't be able to, but I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. So I need you to tell me what you can do. So don't, don't lie and say you can go everywhere. Man, just tell me the lanes that really work well for you, and let's partner up on those. Excellent advice. I, I, yeah, I have to. I, I, I completely agree with him here. And one thing that 
one thing that's so important, Craig Fuller mentioned it, was networking, you know? Yeah. All of our guests mm -hmm. that are, are, have been successful, have done raises, have talked about networking. And part of networking is, instead of lying and saying you're great at freight everywhere, if you talk to someone like Paula Tip Top Poultry and he needs some lane run that you're not good at, that's when your network comes in handy. You refer him to someone good. Show him some trust. Give him Absolutely. some trust. Help out someone else in your network. You don't have to lie. And so many sales guys in freight, so many inexperienced sales guys do that same thing. Oh, we're great at everything. Like, get out. Get, get, yeah. that, that's, that's when you just have them take you out to the bar, right? Get a free meal. Yeah. Get a free drink. Yeah. They've already ruined it. Well, Michael, we got time for one more question. This is your last chance to talk to a shipper. <laughs> to a shipper. I love what he's. I, I love what the, What's what unique about poultry? Right that's search. a good one, too. What's that? Yeah, what, that's an excellent one. So I want to ask you Tip Top Poultry. You haven't told our audience yeah, what who, is who is Tip Top Poultry? What do you guys do? Are you processing poultry? Are you providing the live animals to be what processed? What is it? So Tip Top Poultry, we're a little bit different uh, than a Tyson Purdue. Again, name whatever big. Uh, our birds on average are 55-ish plus weeks old, so we're a little bit tougher. So we take the birds that lay eggs, and we send them off to the final proverbial farm. We process those birds. Um, you know, we process quite a bit every week, and we, again, we either sell them to be uh, to the marketplace where they are cooked low and slow because you don't want to throw our meat on a grill because otherwise we will ruin your barbecue or your grilling. Um, and then, you know, they, so they go to the market, they go to the grocery chains, or, uh, the, uh, or they go to the restaurants, or they're further mixed into other products. So it's our birds are cooked low and slow for that, for that perfect, amazing meal that you want to have. Wow! Is that so? You said they're fifty-five weeks old, so they're they're a specific category of, of bird, right? So, yeah. So they're the breed. So they're the breeders, and so if you go okay. to other ones, they're eight to twelve weeks. So like, if you oh. go to a okay. name whatever fast food, like a Chick Fil A, Zaxby's, those birds are around eight to twelve weeks ish old. Um, really? And so they're younger, so they're not as tender. Yeah, they're pretty big. Um, if you there's Morgan Spurlock has a documentary on Netflix that's Super Size Me or whatever it is, too, yeah. and it goes into a lot of those things, the ages of chickens. It's pretty amazing. Uh, it's a really good documentary. Um, but, yeah, so that's what, that's what we do. Um, and to throw one last thing in for all of the, anyone in sales, it's relationship over opportunity. And to drive that point home, like you said, even if you personally can't help me, Tell me about someone who can, man. That that will speak volumes. And then when that opportunity and timing comes up, that, that's money. You, you have an inroad to actually work with us. Right on. Here's the thing. You can scale a network. You can't scale yourself. Thinking about your network is thinking about your business. If you just focus on yourself, you're not going to make it very far in business and especially in shipping and freight. As much as we talk about tech, this is always going to be a business that's still about relationship and all business is about relationships. Be smart. The other awesome thing, and Craig kind, of, uh, Craig kind of touched on this, was the power of networking is that it gives you the opportunity to circle back and continue conversations with people because... When Absolutely. you go and approach someone with a deal, you want money, you want them to move your freight, whatever, you're doing it on your own time. They may not be ready yet, but that doesn't mean they'll never be ready. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And, and understanding the fact that if you're a salesman, I know why you're talking to me. You don't have yeah. to, like, butter me. Like, I know why you're talking to me. Let's get beyond that fact. Let's build that relationship, like, 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 other, like Craig said. Yeah, absolutely. I may not have a solution for you today, Paul, but my good friend Dooner here is going to help you out with what you need. We'll talk later. <laughs> and then eventually you're going to come back and know I was a source for you, right? Well, Paul, yeah, couple, exactly. couple, couple of things. Abby, Abby Heffenbriebel. Breedle. I'm so bad at Easy saying people's names. I do say. apologize. Abby yeah, Heffen, no, that's a tough one. Is it Heffenbriedel? 
Brennell? I have, have no idea. I, I've butchered it every she single says time. You, well, I, I that's ironic. That's ironic because she says you have all the answers. <laughs> yeah. the exact... You know what? I wish I did, but it's like my last name. Everyone, you know, they see a C-H and you grew up in America, and that's just not how they, they enunciate that. In what is it? So, how, how she is just it? corrected her comments. It's, it says he has uh, most of the answers. <laughs> uh, yes, let's say, yes, thank you. I have most of them. Praise the Lord. Uh, it's Stippich, so it's a, it's almost like a CK. Not like a stippich, like a chipwitch or something. Oh, okay. Exactly, okay. yeah. Stippich. Not a sandwich. All right, Polly Stippich. Uh, how do we send people <laughs> to you and to Tip Top Poultry? Uh, so tiptoppoultry.com for me it's Paul Stippich at uh, you know LinkedIn, but or it's Paul Enjoy spelling that last name at tiptoppoultry.com. So Paul at tiptoppoultry.com. Uh, man, I'm here to help. Um, you know, shippers or carriers, whatever it is. I just want to be a value. Well, guten Abend, my German friends. Take it easy, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your wonderful insights. Take Auf Wiedersehen. Auf Wiedersehen, yes, that, that as well. That as well. Oh, you no, know we're going to do now? No, now we have a perfect, the, the perfect dessert do? to uh, that main course of Paul Stippich. We're going to talk to Chris Jolly, the freight coach. We'll tell him what we learned from Paul, and we'll see, uh, we'll see what kind nice of advice. 55-week-old poultry dinner, and now we'll move on to the dessert. Is that, are those really only eight weeks Chris old, the John. birds that people eat? Apparently, you want to barbecue five- to eight-week-old birds. I'm a vegetarian. The Fifty-five man. ones you want to cook low and slow and make uh, like soup out of or something. I, I oh, is it the freight coach? Is it is it Chris Jolly? Yeah. Hey, I'm can here. you do us a favor? Turn us down in the background. No, I I, I got you guys on mute now. Awesome, right, perfect. Hey, so Chris Jolly, well, how old are the birds that you barbecue when you do barbecue? Like uh, chicken? How old are they? Do you know? Oh, do you man, check I, the package? I, do you ask your butcher how old this chicken is? You know, I, I was actually uh, born and raised on a small game farm, so I, I don't oh. know how to tell a bird's age by looking at its package. I just kind of go out with the color. <laughs> oh. oh, they cut it wow. in half and that's count the, the rings. I'd have to ask you. I'd have no clue. Oh, that's a tree. That's a tree. Uh, so, <laughs> Chris Jolly, you call yourself the freight coach. What makes you the freight coach? How did you learn all this? How did you learn? How did you get all your knowledge about freight? I've looked in your background. You've been uh, you've been at a few interesting places, yeah, man. Who made you the coach? Ah, self-appointed. I guess when I when I went out on my own, I, I never wanted to come around and pull myself out as being like a CEO or anything like that. Uh, I just wanted something to kind of pair up with my skill set. I have a love for coaching and I have a love for freight. So I just decided to pair him up and run with it. That is awesome. Hey, did you listen to the previous section? Did you, did you hear Paul oh, yeah. Stippich from Tip Top Poultry? Yeah, yeah I, I heard that and I couldn't agree more with a lot of what he's saying. I mean, you, you need to break out and, and get away from just the traditional way that people think works because after a while you need to realize it's not your pitch. It's you, you know, it's not the person receiving it. It's your pitch that that's uh, struggling, you know? So it's like, think outside the box and take a different approach to it. Yeah. I've heard so many reps go, uh, you know, after a bad call or you yeah. know, visit or phone call or whatever it happens to be, you know, Zoom call, whatever, say, uh, they just don't get it, man. That was brutal. They just don't understand anything. I just, and then they move on instead of assessing and find out what it is, right? Well, we saw Tom, yeah. too, right? Tom, Tom from, uh, from Grit Mat. He's like, I went to this convention. All I did was sell 13 mats. I felt like a failure. But he kept pushing forward because humans, like, like you said, don't be lazy. You, gotta, you, you have to do the work. You want to get big muscles, you got to go to the gym. You want to be good at talking to people, you have to continue talking to people. You want to be good at getting over objections, you have to hear no. And you want to get really good, you got to hear a lot of effing no's. Yeah, it's almost like everything is a numbers game because what Tom had said in that thing was the first day of the show, he sold only 13 mats. Yeah. 
But by the end of the show, he sold out all 600. At the end of the first day, I'm a failure. And then he went out and he said he started pounding the pavement and talking to anybody at that show that would talk to him. And he sold out. Yeah, no, I mean, I I agree. I mean, just to take something away from Tom, I think uh, I need to start implementing that intro video that you guys pulled. I think I could get a lot more clients if I had something that that high quality coming in right away. But no, to that point, though, that's what it's all about. Is, is, Is it strictly a numbers game? Like, you know, this this whole uh, vision of grandeur that everybody's sold on, that you're just going to make a couple of calls and get all this business is just not true. Like, you're going to make thousands upon thousands of calls before you get a group of customers that you can actually grow with. You know, like, yeah. that, that, there's just such a farce out there that you're just going to only have to put forth minimal effort. I mean, you, you're going to put you're going to invest a lot of time into this process because that's what it is. It's a huge process. Yeah. Forbes 30 under 30 invention of the year. Oh, yeah. Right? And he was told, no, it's garbage a million times over before that. Yeah. Don't listen to people. People don't know. Like that, that, I, I hate meetings. I hate big meetings. The more people you put in a meeting, the worse a meeting gets. It's, it's exponentially by each person you put in there. The meeting will get exponentially worse. And I will talk exponentially less because I prefer to talk one on one. I don't need I, I don't need so many cooks in the kitchen. They tend to muddy the soup. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, Chris, one one thing was so in this year. Let's, let's talk about something real quick because I, I know you started making videos. You started podcasting. We've seen an explosion yeah. of this sort of like micro freight influencer economy. The one thing that I would hope to see, though, is that the people who are doing that are, are still, especially if they're still like with sales jobs, are, are still selling. So, how do you tell those people to balance the the LinkedIn and the networking side to you know actually keep the money that mm-hmm. that allows them to live and keep the lights on and employed? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Can you repeat that last, that question there? Or my phone cut out. Sure. In terms of like, so we're seeing a lot of uh, sort of micro influence, especially in the freight community this year. Mm-hmm. We've seen a lot of people start podcasts and everything. We're seeing a lot of people spending a lot more time on LinkedIn and networking, which is great. But how do you balance that with actually still going out and selling, especially if that's your core primary source of income? Yeah, it's all about time prioritizing. You know, like you cannot sit on LinkedIn and comment a couple of times and expect all of these people just to feel like, yeah, you know what? I loved what you said. I'm going to give you all my business. You know, you have to schedule your day out for that because yes, networking is key, but if you're just sitting online all day and hoping business to come to you, that's just, that's just not going to happen. So schedule out your day. You know what? If that takes getting up 30 minutes to an hour earlier to do your, your networking online and then budget that time out to put a couple of hours of dedicated just to prospecting and following up and trying to actually sell your product. Yeah, I mean, Michael, I write about eight times yeah. as many DM messages on LinkedIn than I post. Oh, yeah, me too. And yeah, I've always had a ratio far. rule. If I'm not sending more DMs than I am posting or commenting, because business happens in the DMs. It's, the comments are great for the networking, meeting people, liking, sharing, all that stuff. Great, it, it ingratiates you to people. But you also got to slide into DMs and then do some business if business is what you want to have yeah, done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more with that. You, you should definitely do that. You reach out to people and personalize it and you know what? Don't like, like the last gentleman said, don't come to me thinking that I don't know what you're offering right away. Like you're a sales rep. We all know that. Don't, don't bring that approach to it. Yeah. yeah. So he he said a great thing. Yeah. He said, do not call him up and say, how can I help you? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't ask that question. Oh my gosh. So what or, is, or, or I, yeah, I was going to say, and I, I love, I love his point on don't come to me asking what problems do I have either, you know, and, and come to me like what, what, what's working right. And that's you know, that's that, the that's what do you the, want for dinner, right? That's the what do you want for dinner yeah. of sales questions. 
Jesus. I mean, if I had that figured out, I'd save a lot of going back and forth with my fiance. Because <laughs> <laughs> when people ask you that, they don't you know, usually don't have a clear idea. Like they have like, but they have a lot of no's, right? They're like, yeah. Then you're like, all right, let's go to Mexico. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. no. Yeah. So no you want Chinese food then? Well, I don't know. I'm not sure. What I, like, ah, just, I'm hanging up. Oh, wait, I can. I'm married to you. <laughs> 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 You're getting married. Chris Jolly, what's up? Uh, what's, what is your hot? So it's Friday. It's in uh, what? We're almost in August. What is your sales hot tip for today as people move into the dog days of summer? Just stay persistent in what you're doing and really practice your approach every single day. And I'm, I'm a big sports guy and I know a lot of people in this industry are, and I, you know, and it comes down to coaching. If you follow sports, professional athletes, no matter who they are, the most hall of fame athletes out there still have coaches. They still practice every single day. And that's what you need to do. That is going to be my hot tip from here on out is you have to continue to practice it. Chris, we want to send some. We want to send some people. By the way, oh, Sheena Dave says, never ask a woman what she wants to eat. Take note of that. Kevin Hill, Hope White is laughing about that comment. Uh, And Sheena Dave says, give her three options. Well, I guess that's you got to give him. I guess that's it. You got to give three options. Uh, That's domestically. When you're calling up and saying, "Can I help you?" to a shipper, do not give them three. Like, can I help? Oh, some guys do that though. They call up someone like to sell, and they just throw bullets. Like, I can do this, 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 that, or the other thing to you, and you're like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Chris, let's send some people your way. How do they connect with you on, on social and, um, and find your stuff? No, definitely. You can reach out to me via email. It's just chris at thefreightcoach.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, and then you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. It's just at thefreightcoach on uh, all social media platforms. Perfect. Amen. Thank you very Thanks, much, Chris. Chris. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me on today. I greatly appreciate it. Keep coaching, my friend. Keep on. Well, so uh, and it's the fundamentals. It's the blocking. It's the tackling. It's the double plays. It's yeah. the uh, staying in front of the ball type of stuff that he's talking about. I right? wish that, like, with these same guests, this was a like two hour episode. No, so oh yeah, I, absolutely. Uh, we gotta have Tom back because I could have gone. I, like, I'm just fascinated by Shark Tank. I'm fascinated by yeah. by the Air Force. I'm fascinated by his grip mat and uh, uh, just the whole story. Uh, yeah. We could have talked to Craig all day about this because we know the the the, ba- the behind the scenes story of of raising the funding and the right. environment that we work affect and and how tenuous for a lot of people in freight tech. Anybody trying to raise money was so. It's an amazing W. We're not taking the L on that one. We're taking the W on Amen. that fundraising round. And uh, you know, we gotta just. Give another cowbell for all the people who worked really, really hard to make sure that right happened. On. And yes, that, uh, thank you. That's company wide, but some people worked a little extra harder, especially yes, on that did. executive side, having to go through that struggle, having to, having to go through all those pitches and everything like that. MLB was back last night. I don't know if you caught any. I, I did not. I did. I did not. But I'll be. I'll be watching it. I mean, yeah. that's great news that it's back, right? But yeah. it'll be funky to watch, right? No fans. No, they pump in the sound. It was only oh, weird they pump before. In the sound. <laughs> it was only a little weird before, Didn't like during the opening ceremony. Dude, wasn't that cheating beforehand? Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, now you can steal signs and pump in sound and do all that stuff. And you can yeah. also keep a you can also put liquid, a bottle of water on uh, on your thing because you can't lick your fingers anymore. You can't lick your fingers. You can't, you can't, you can't high dip. five. You can't no spit. You can't no Copenhagen. No none Copenhagen. Of that stuff. None of that. No stuff. Copenhagen for you can, either. Can you don't tag a guy out? Hey. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's got from six feet away. From six feet, from six six feet away. away. You can find okay. all our stuff on FreightWaves.com. All the headlines. Uh, we didn't get the headlines this episode. We will next time. Check out Sonar 7.0. Live.FreightWaves.com for all of the FreightWaves live content Amen. on demand whenever you want it. Subscribe to FreightCast. Get every single FreightWaves podcast, including What the Truck, Midday Market Update, Put That Coffee Down, and all the other shows that we do. Radio coming up tomorrow. Yeah. Channel 146. 
3 p.m. Eastern time. Kicking it off with Michael Vincent. We'll cover some news, some other great guests. See ya there. Peace and love. 37 million, baby. 37 million.